Uh, we are in a series called Thoughts and Prayers, and this is the third week of this series. And uh, when you think about prayer, it is a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual practice, but you don't have to be a person who considers himself religious to actually pray. We read some statistics the very first week that 20% of people who don't consider themselves religious actually pray at times. And then the majority of people who say they are followers of Jesus, 50% of us say that we pray at least regularly uh, once, a, once a day. And you would think with that type of percentage that there wouldn't be a lot of questions or concerns or um, misunderstandings about, about prayer. But there, there still is. There's still confusion about prayer. I don't know if you've ever uh, had something like that where you're like, I, I pray, but I don't know that God's really listening. Like I've, I've had seasons in my life where, where I'm talking to God, but I might as well just be, be talking to somebody else because it doesn't seem like he's, he's answering my prayer. And so does God always hear our prayers? And so there's questions that we all have. Like I've always had this question of how can God hear all of us praying at once? You ever thought about that? Like there are people right now, like in Africa praying, and like he's listening to them too. Like how, how does he do that? Like that, that blows my mind. So there's, there's like questions that we have about this. And so that's really why we are doing this series. Like people are thinking like, is prayer the same thing as just wishing someone well? You know, th those are questions that come up. And so we wanted to do a series to give clarity on like, what is prayer? Why do we pray? And, and how do we pray? So the very first week, we said that prayer is simply access to God. Like when you're talking to God, that's who you're talking to. You're not just talking in your head. You're not just talking out loud. Like when you're in your car and you're talking and people are driving by, they're probably just thinking you're, you're talking, you know, you know, out loud on the phone. But you can be talking to God and, and, and God hears you. It's the behavior of going to God. And it's a conversation. Like sometimes I think we like over-spiritualize like spiritual acts. Praying is, is simply talking to God like, like you would talk to your spouse, like you talk to your kids, or like your kids would talk to you. Prayer is simply talking to God. Now, last week, which was week two, we said that you shouldn't judge whether prayer is effective or not based on whether you get what you want. Like sometimes you're thinking, I, I pray, but I don't always get what I want. Me too, right? I don't know if that's happened to you. Like, I've asked God for things, and I'm still waiting, Right? But that's not, that's not the, the only gauge of whether like praying is effective. And we said like when you pray and you don't see God answer your prayers the way that you have been praying, there's other things at play that, that you're not thinking of. Like it helps us to reconcile back to God. And it helps us to recenter our lives around who God is and it refocuses our worship. So even when we don't get what we're praying for, prayer is working in our lives. And so we've talked about the, the what and the why. Uh, this evening, I want to talk, uh, I'm sorry, the what and the why. I want to talk about the how. Now, if you're like me, when you hear how, like you start thinking checklist. Like if I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this. And, and I don't want you to put that hat on, okay? When I say how to pray, this is not a checklist. If I was going to compare uh, prayer to like painting, this, this type of how is more like freestyle. Like the canvas is empty and you can do whatever you want rather than looking at a canvas that has numbers on it, okay? Paint by numbers, I'm awesome. You give me a, you give me a canvas with nothing on it, and I'm like, I stick man, maybe. But prayer is more like that. It's more of like a freestyle. It's more of an art. 
And so Jesus talks about prayer because he wants us to understand prayer, why we should pray, how we should pray. And so Jesus does a lot of teaching on prayer. Matter of fact, his very first sermon, which is the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he takes a good chunk of what he's talking about, about prayer. Now, the reason it's called the Sermon on the Mount is because he, he was teaching on the side of a hill. And the teaching that he's doing is he's, he's like, setting a bar that's a little bit higher than what they're, what they're used to. He's, he's, he's challenging the status quo. Now, in the sermon, which I read a couple of commentaries, they said it was a couple of days. Like, like, that's a long message. When it takes a couple of days, that's a long message. I'm hoping we're out of here in an hour. But, but Jesus, like in a couple of days, was unpacking marriage, divorce, uh, generosity. And one of the sections that he talks about is prayer. And so he's going to unpack prayer, but he's, he's raising the bar. He's challenging the status quo. Matter of fact, he says this in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20. But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers, the religious leaders, and Pharisees, you can't enter the kingdom of God. And so I can imagine if you're just somebody who walked by and go, what's this big crowd here? Uh, let me, what is he talking about? Not really religious. And you hear Jesus saying, you know what? If you're not better than the people who get paid to be good, I'd be like, whoa, then there's no hope for me. Like, how can I be better than the religious leaders? But Jesus, when he was talking, he wasn't just talking about acts. He was talking about motives. He's getting to people's motives. So during this message, you hear him say, you've heard it said. And when he's making that reference, he's making it reference to the, the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and, and the laws. So you've heard it said, don't murder. So I imagine for the majority of the people in the audience, they're going, I'm good. I've not killed anybody. But Jesus raises a standard, and he says, but if you've hated somebody in your heart, you've, you've committed murder. Well, who hasn't hated? Right? I mean, we, we'd all be guilty of that. He says... You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. And again, I'm sure people going, okay, I'm good here. Not done that either. But Jesus said, if you've lusted after a woman, you've committed adultery, or I'm sorry, yeah, you've committed adultery in your heart. And you're thinking, okay, the only, only guy that probably has never done that is somebody who doesn't have sight. Like all of us would be guilty of this. So how could we, how could we, how can our righteousness exceed the righteousness of, of religious people? Then Jesus gets into the topic of prayer. And he's going to give a couple of warnings before he gets into the how-tos. Because even in spiritual practices, we can get into some really unhealthy habits. And so Jesus is going to address that first before he gets into the healthy habits that we should have. So let's read Matthew chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there or the app or the, the, the verses will be on the screen. You can follow along. Uh, chapter 6, verses 5 and 6 is this. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love praying in public on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can hear them. He says, I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. So here's the very first warning that he gives when it comes to praying. Number one, be careful your motives are right when you pray. Be careful that your motives are right when you pray. So Jesus starts off by saying, there's these religious leaders that just love standing up in church, being called on to pray. 
And they would stand there and, and, and they would give this very beautiful prayer. And everyone would be like, wow, that person is so holy. That person is so righteous. And Jesus says, they'll actually leave the synagogue and they'll go stand on the corner where even more people can see them. He says, don't be like them. He calls them hypocrites. And that word hypocrite comes with the idea that, that you're an actor and you're putting on these masks to play different roles. And he's saying that's all they're really doing. They're not really righteous. They're not really holy. They're, they're faking it. And the motive that they had wasn't to connect with God or be pleasing to God. It was so that people would look at them and think they were, they were good people. And to be honest, it's easy to fall into that trap. Like, who doesn't want to be liked? Don't know that too many people are like, I'm, I'm cool with everybody hating me. But to use prayer or to use any spiritual discipline so that people like you, Jesus says, then that's your reward. Then maybe people will like you. As a pastor, it can be easy to fall into that trap. Just to be honest, it's real easy because people will come up to you and say, well, you're a pastor. I need you to pray for me. Like my prayer is special. Like I have a, a better connection to God than they do, which none of those things are true. Like you have as much access to God as, as I do. But it's easy to fall into that trap like, yeah, they want me to pray. They didn't ask Pastor Sean, they asked me, right? It, it's easy to do that thinking that it's my prayer that's going to fix their marriage. It's my prayer that's going to heal them. And that's, Jesus, Jesus says, if that's what your motive is, then you, you have your reward. When I was in high school, there was a class that I had to take. You had to take it to, to pass to get out, of, get out of high school, but I, I hated the class. It was the worst class ever. It was public speaking, which I know sounds weird as a pastor, like, but I hated public speaking. It was one of those things where every time I had to get up and give a speech, and it was only five minutes long, so it wasn't like an hour speech, but like my stomach would turn and I would get nauseous. And the reason that it physically affected me that way is because I knew the teacher was grading me. I knew my classmates were critiquing me. And I had friends in that room that wanted to see me throw up. And so you're standing there and that's just, I mean, so I wasn't trying to impress. I was just trying not to look stupid. But again, the focus wasn't on my content. It wasn't, it wasn't on delivering. It really was on me. And so when the focus is on you, it, it, it puts a lot of pressure. It's like if you ever go on a first date or you're trying to meet new people or you're going on an interview, like when you're trying to impress people, there's a lot of pressure. But when you're just hanging out with your boys, I mean, there's no pressure to talk to your friends. But when you're looking at yourself, it's, it's difficult. And, and praying in public can be that way. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. When I was first, like, new to faith, and, and I was called on to pray, whether it was in, in the high school class or, or sometimes our pastor would call on people, like, he'd just point you out and say, come on up and pray. Like, I, like let me do that. Let, I want you to know what it felt like. So I, I want to call on somebody. Some nervous laughter, isn't it? Like, you, you don't know this, but a lot of people, like, look down. They're like, don't, don't make eye contact. Don't look. I know he knows me. We're close friends. If he calls on me, I'll kill. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. Like, and it's not that you would perform or anything like that, but it's just, it's one of those things. It's like, I don't want to go up there and say something wrong. I know everyone's going to hear my prayer. And what if it's not good? 
And so Jesus is, is talking about that. That's what the Pharisees were dealing with. Either way, whether you're wanting people to notice you or just not be looked at as like you're an idiot, both of those, they're pointing towards you. That's the aim of it. President Lyndon Johnson invited one of his aides to dinner, uh, and this person uh, happened to be a minister. And so he asked this minister to pray for the food, and, and the president was sitting on one side of the table, and he was sitting on the other side of the table, and uh, this guy's name is Mora, and so he begins praying quietly to God to bless the food, and, and, and halfway through the prayer, in, somewhere in the prayer, the president goes, can you speak up? I can't hear you. To which he replied, with all due respect, I wasn't speaking to you. Whoa. But that's so true. Like, when you pray, you're not talking to anybody else. Like, when we close the surface in prayer, we open the surface in prayer, like, that person's not praying to you. They're praying to God, and they're just inviting you to listen as they talk to God. And I thought, that, that is so cool that to have that attitude, like, I'm talking to God, and I don't have to perform for God because God already knows who I am. So when you pray, the question is, who are you concerned with hearing your prayer? If it's other people, impressing other people, then Jesus is like, I'm not really concerned about listening to that type of prayer because it's really not about me. It's about you. So Jesus is giving this warning because he goes, don't be like them. The second warning that he gives is be careful you're not trying to manipulate God when you pray. Look at verse number seven and eight. He says, when you pray, don't babble on and on and on and on like the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again and again and again. He says, don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need even before you pray it. What Jesus is not saying here is that if there's someone that you've been praying for for years to stop. He's not saying that. There are people that I know that are praying for family members and have been praying for them for years. Jesus is not teaching that you should only pray once and be done. That's not what he's praying about. So you can pray about your health. You can pray about your marriage. You can keep asking God for wisdom. As a matter of fact, he talks about it in the next chapter. In chapter number seven, he says this, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. So Jesus is saying, I, it's not that I don't want you to just pray once and be done. You can't keep coming to me and keep coming to me, asking me for, for wisdom and for healing and for knowledge. What he doesn't want is for you to just mindlessly babble on, thinking that if you just say a lot of words, eventually you're, eventually you're just going to get what you want. Now, I don't know that too many people today do that. That's something that the pagans did. They chanted and they had rituals and almost like they had like spells that they would, they would pray to their gods thinking we've said the right word, so now he has to answer our prayer. I don't know that too many people think that way anymore, but I do think that we do try to manipulate God in that we, I'll come to church, and when I come to church, when I pray, you should answer my prayer. Now, I've helped, I've helped a lot of good people. I've done this, I've done that, and I've given a little something to the whole project, God. Like, okay, now when I pray, you need to answer my prayer. And that's really just trying to manipulate God to do what 
what we want him to do. And he's like, that's, that's not why I gave you prayer. So when you pray, make sure that, you're, that your motives are pure and that you're not trying to manipulate God. So then Jesus goes on to say, I'm going to give you a prayer, and I want you to pray like this. Now, when he says, I want you to pray like this, he doesn't say, pray this. He doesn't say, memorize this prayer. He doesn't say, keep reciting this prayer. It is the, the Lord's prayer. And if that's a prayer that you like to say, I'm not saying that you can't say that. I'm just saying he's never instructed us to pray that specific prayer over and over and over again. It's an, it's an example for us to pray. And in that example, he gives us a couple of key elements to what it looks like to have a healthy prayer life. And that's what I want us to look at. The first key element is this. We should pray personal prayers and respectful prayers. This is the first element, key element in praying, that our prayers should be personal and respectful. Look what he says in verse number nine. This is the Lord's prayer. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be holy. Jesus begins this prayer in a way that seems simple. Like he's, he's talking to God, but it wasn't a simple statement to the people who were listening because they had never thought of God as Father. Like that was the furthest thing that they would have thought of when they were talking to God. They didn't have that type of relationship with God. For the Jewish people, only one person actually went into the presence of God and they only did that one time of year. So they didn't think they had the access to God, let alone to refer to him as a father. But Jesus, not only in this prayer, but during his message, refers to God as father 10 different times. And he's wanting us to know that we can. Paul says this in Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. He says, you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And now you can call him Abba Father. That word Abba Father is a term of endearment. It's not a title. It's something that a child would call their dad. And that's what the God of the universe is saying that we can do when we come to him in prayer. I have this picture, and I think this is a good illustration of what it looks like for us to go to God and think about God. Look at this picture. How many of you have seen this picture before? So this is President Kennedy, and he is in the Oval Office. Like this, this is the President of the United States. This is like one of the most powerful men in the entire world. Like we could not get an audience with the president. Like you can try, but it's not going to happen. And if you were able to be able to get an audience with the president, there's a lot of protocols. There's a lot of things that you do and don't do because he's the president. But you notice who also is in the picture? It's his son. And to him, that's not just the president. That's not just the most powerful person in the world. A person that can press a button and blow up a lot of things. That's his dad. And look how comfortable he is in his dad's presence. And God wants us to be comfortable 
in his presence. There's not all this protocol and no, just come into his presence and talk to him like you would talk to somebody that you have a relationship with. Prayer should be personal. And because prayer is personal, just like paintings are personal, your painting might look a little different than my painting. I love he hearing children pray. When my kids were little and I would listen to them pray, now they pray for some crazy things, things that I would never pray for, but I'm not a child. But they mean their prayers. Their prayers were sincere and they were bringing them to God. So a child's prayer will be different than an adult's prayer. Does that make sense? And someone who is new to faith, their prayer, even though it's sincere and genuine and loving, will probably sound a lot different than someone who's been walking with Jesus a really long time. So what we do is we hear somebody who's been walking with Jesus a very long time. We hear the words they say, the phrases they use, and then so we try to copy that. And God's like, I, I, don't, I don't want that. That's... That's Pastor Sean's prayer. I, 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 want, I want your prayer. It's sort of like this. Valentine's Day is coming up. You didn't know that, it's coming. And there are cards already that you can buy. I have two cards. Uh, this card I bought, it's $8. It's not even Hallmark. It's eight bucks. This one was a dollar, okay? This one, I like this one. I really like this one. I'm gonna read, I'm gonna read you this card. Um, Cause I mean like this, this, this is good. This is good stuff. It says, when we first met, I remember not being able to take my eyes off of you. I remember how connected I felt to you and how perfect we were together. I remember thinking, it could never get better than this. And yet, here we find ourselves. Life gets better and better every moment with you. Dude, sign your name and give it, right? Like, that's good stuff. Like, I could give that to my wife and she'd be like, oh, that's, that's nice. But my wife would keep this card, even though it was a dollar, because it's in my handwriting. Let me read it to you. When we first met, <laughs> I remember not being able to take my eyes off of you. Hey, it was good. Uh, it's in my handwriting. She doesn't have to know about this. It sounded different too. And that's the emphasis was there. I did write her a poem, though. Roses are red. <laughs> this one was from the heart. Violets are blue. This is our 30th Valentine's Day together. And the only sweet thing I want is you. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the one she'll hang on to. Because while the other words were not mine, the poem was, and she knows that is totally me, right? And really, when you're talking to God, he wants to hear from you. He doesn't want to hear a prayer that you ripped off from somebody else. And there's nothing wrong with finding, like, 
prayers. I, I've read some beautiful prayers. And there's some prayers in Scripture that I read, and they're just, they're beautiful. And I guess if I make them my own, then, then God's like, yes, I, that's what I want. So prayer needs to be personal, but it also needs to be respectful. Like, you've got to remember who you're talking to. Like, there's angels that are standing in heaven. They're standing around the throne, and they're covering themselves because they're not worthy of looking at God. And all they say is, holy, holy, holy. Like, don't get fresh with God just because you have access to God. Like, remember who he is, the creator of the universe, the all-powerful, the almighty God. And you can talk to him anytime you want. And a healthy prayer life, not only personally prays to God, but respectfully prays to God. Another key element that we see in, in Jesus' prayer is this. We should pray God's will be done and not our own. We should pray God's will be done and not our own. Look at verse number 10. May your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I read two different quotes about this verse that I really liked. One was by Warren Wiersbe. It said this, the purpose of prayer is to glorify God's name, to ask for help accomplishing his will on earth. Prayer begins when we, uh, when we acknowledge God. Uh, I'm sorry. Prayer begins with God's interest, not ours, God's name, his kingdom, and his will. The other, the other quote was from Robert Law who said this, prayer is a mighty instrument not, not to get men's wills done, on, uh, done in heaven, but to get God's will done on earth. We have no right to ask God for anything that would dishonor his name, delay his kingdom, or disrupt his will on earth. And at first I thought, okay, I mean, some people may not know what God's kingdom is. Like, what is God's kingdom? And it's simply this, wherever God rules and reigns. Like if God rules and reigns in your life, then part of God's kingdom is, is in your life. And if that's true, then how do I know that I'm like dishonoring him or I'm displeasing him? And I would say this, just like any relationship, you know what they like. First John chapter five, verse 14 says this, uh, says, we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask anything in his name that pleases him. Well, how do I know what pleases God? Like the more you know somebody, the more you know the things that they like and don't like. Now, my wife, she has a sweet tooth and she loves chocolate. Brownies, cookies, muffins, cake. I mean, all those things, it needs to be chocolate. And she hates nuts in her sweets. So we don't have brownies at our house with nuts in them. We, we don't have like chocolate candies with nuts in them. Why? Because I know that displeases her. And it's the same with God. The more you're around God, the more you know God, the more you're intimate with God, the more you know what pleases him. There's a couple of ways that you can find out what God's will is for your life. Because I hear people say that all the time. I just don't know what God's will is for my life. How do I find out what God's will is for my life? Well, there's a couple of ways that I believe that God reveals what he wants in our lives. And the first is prayer. Like that's one of the ways that we find out what God wants for us. James chapter one, verse five says this, if you need wisdom, you wanna know what's going on, 
ask God. He gives generously. So if you want to know, like, God, am I pleasing you in my relationships? Ask him. God, like with my finances, is it pleasing or displeasing to you? Just just ask him. Like God, through prayer, will let you know if what you're doing pleases him or doesn't please him. If you're a follower of Jesus, there shouldn't be any area of your life where you're not asking God, am I pleasing to you? I think another way that he reveals it is through his word. He reveals it through prayer. He reveals it through his word. Second, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is not really slow about his promises, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. He wants everyone to repent. So I can say on the authority of God's word that God wants everyone to be in a relationship with him. That's God's will for your life. He wants an intimate relationship with you. And he reveals that in his word. Another way is through other people. There are some people that have walked the same road that you've walked on and going through, and you can go to them and say, what what, what did God do in that situation for you? The Bible says that in a multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. So God uses people in your life to help you find his will for your life. And then I also think that he uses promptings. I wish I could have found a P word for the Bible because you have prayer, you have people, and you have prompting. I couldn't find the P word for Bible or it all, all would match and that would be really good. But, but God uses promptings. So what I mean by promptings is there's just that nudge. Like, like there's that door that's open and he closes another door and the situations change Like God uses those things to say, this is what I want for your life. But here's the thing. Even though you know what God's will for your life is, you still have to submit to it. I have found myself, and maybe you're the same, where you found your will at odds with God's will. Like, God, but this is really what I want. And God's like, no, that's not what I want. At that moment... If you truly want God's will for your life, you have to yield your will to receive God's will. You have to say, God, I trust you. God, I trust you that your way is better than my way when it comes to this relationship. When it comes to my finances, my career, whatever it is, God, I want what you want. Healthy prayer pursues God's will over their own. The last key that he gives to us, that is this element that makes makes our prayer life rich and healthy, is prayer should be, uh, we should pray physical and spiritual provision. We should pray for spiritual and and spiritual, physical and spiritual provision. Look what he says in verse number 11. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us and do not Uh, Let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. These are the elements that this element particularly comes easy to me, and maybe it does to you. Asking God for things, that that comes easy. As a matter of fact, when I start looking at my prayers, I sort of see that I'm really heavy on this element in my prayer life, almost imbalanced. 
maybe to the point of being unhealthy in my prayer life because I seem to just ask God for things and I'm not really like pursuing his will. I'm just asking for things. But God knows what we need and God is a good God. Notice what it said, give us what we need. It didn't say, give me what I want. It didn't say that. And if you're a parent, you've probably multiple times have explained to your child the difference between a need and a want. You don't, like, the, the phone is not a need. It's a want. The 20 bucks is not a need. It's a want. A need is something that you have to have that you can't live without. You can live without 20 bucks. You can live without your phone. But God's not just going, oh, you don't need that. That's a want. I'm not going to give it to you. Because the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, he says this. So if your sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? So God's not up there going, oh, no, you don't need that. I'm not going to give it to you. Like, no, he's a good dad. And if it's something that you need and even want, but be okay with him saying no, because I know I don't say yes to my kids all the time. I don't think a good parent should. And if I think I'm a good parent and I tell my, my kids no, why would I think God would be less of a good parent when he tells me no? He includes not only spiritual provisions, but he said also, or I'm sorry, physical provisions. He says spiritual provisions. He says we need to ask for forgiveness. We need to ask for guidance. We need to ask for protection. And the forgiveness part is so important. So many times when people, when they read or they say the Lord's Prayer, they stop at verse number 13. They don't read 14 and 15. But look what verse 14 and 15 says. If you forgive those who sinned against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Now, that is a sobering verse. Like if you're harboring bitterness towards other people and you're asking God to forgive you, he says, I, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And so we need to be asking God not only for physical provisions, but also for spiritual provisions because we live in a broken world. And so we need protection from temptation. We need wisdom to make wise decisions. We need guidance to be able to, to, to get through different situations in our life. And if we're not asking for these things, and it's not just those things, but joy for peace, for comfort. These are spiritual provisions that God wants to provide to us, but we seldom ask for because we're asking for physical provisions. Jesus is showing us that we can go to God with anything. And as a loving heavenly father, he hears our prayers and he wants to answer them. Healthy prayers petition God for provisions, for pardons, and for protection. So how can you have a better practice of praying? I think on the back tables are these little prayer cards, and there's, there's several different applications that you can use. So I, I say pick those up when, on your way out, but let me give you a couple of practical steps. Maybe you're here today, and you're not really a religious person. You don't consider yourself a religious person. You don't even know, you're not even sure God does exist. And if that's you, I'm really glad that you're here. 
I'm glad that you're here and, and you're hearing about what we, uh, as followers of Jesus, why we pray. Can I encourage you? Because relationships begin with conversations. Can I encourage you to pray this prayer? I know I'm encouraging to talk to somebody that you may not believe in, but if you're ever going to believe in him, then you have to have at least a conversation with him. And I think this is a prayer that you can pray honestly. God, if you are real, just show me. Like, I'm cool with you showing me if you are real. Like, what harm is there in praying that prayer? Because if he's not real and doesn't show you, then you've not lost anything, then a couple of days, couple of weeks, maybe a month of asking God, if you're real, show me. Bring people in my life. I'm gonna read your word and see if, if you can show me who you are. It begins with a conversation. Maybe you're somebody who believes there is a God, but you feel disconnected. Like again, prayer is a conversation. Conversations strengthen uh, uh, relationships. So I would say, if he's not your heavenly father, you get to the point where you understand that he loves you, that he sent his son to die on the cross to reconcile you to himself, and that maybe your conversation is, I, I would like to have a personal relationship with you. I would like to be adopted into your family. I would like to be able to talk to you like I talk to uh, my father or my friends or, or my kids. I, I'd love to have that personal relationship with the creator of the universe. I just don't have that right now. Maybe you're someone who is a follower of Jesus and you pray on a regular basis. And so my challenge to you is, which of these elements? Praying personal, respectful prayers, knowing God's will for your life, petitioning him for physical and spiritual needs, which of these elements need to be more part of your, your prayer life to make your prayer life more in balance? And maybe this week you begin focusing on that so that you have a, a better relationship with God. This week I was reading um, on the Bible app, and here's, here's another application that you can do. If you, if you really want to understand and break down the Lord's Prayer, on the Bible app there's this devotion. It's a seven-day devotion by David Menday, M-E-N-D-E. M -E -N -D -D -E. And it's pray like this. It's the reflections of the Lord's prayer. And it's real short. It sort of breaks down the prayer in segments and it helps you to reflect on it. So if you wanna go through the Lord's prayer as a template of how you can pray, I encourage you to, if you have the app, to, to, to find that devotion and each and every day use that time to connect with God in prayer. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads with me. And I'm gonna ask you to personally talk to God right now. Like, where is your relationship with God? Is it intimate? Is it close? Or are you sort of distant? Like the times that you talk to God is when you really need something, and that's the only time you talk to God. Maybe you say, I don't always talk respectfully to God. Or my prayers are real heavy on asking him for physical things and hardly ever confessing my sin, asking forgiveness of sin, or asking for joy or guidance, or healing, or any other spiritual element.
Maybe you're a person that says, you know what, I, I've never really thought of God as a father. Never really understood that he, he wants to be my spiritual father and that I can call him daddy. And it doesn't have to be awkward. It doesn't have to be uncomfortable. It can actually be something that's really beautiful and, and familiar. Maybe your prayer is, God, help me to understand like the blessing of being able to talk to you just as a conversation. Maybe tonight you ask God to be your spiritual father. I know for a fact that's his will for your life. God, you are great. You are amazing, lovingly, heavenly Father. Thank you for being who you are. Help us to want what you want for our lives more than what we want for our lives. God, in every area of our life. God, I pray we would live out our devotion each and every day. God, forgive us when we've used prayer to make ourselves look good or to impress others. God, forgive us if we've ever used any spiritual discipline other than the intended purpose to to glorify you and to connect with you. Father, we ask that you would provide our physical needs in a room this size. I know there are people who who are struggling in different areas of their life. God, whether it is relationship or addictions or finances or their health, whether that's physical or emotional health, God, we all have needs. And we bring them to you right now asking, good God, Please intervene. But God, we also ask for spiritual provision. God, there are people here that need joy. They need peace. They need comfort. And God, I pray that as they ask for these things, that you would bless them to the point where it's just overflowing in their own life and that they're willing to extend it to others. God, this is the prayer that I pray. It's in Jesus' name I pray this. Amen.